You're listening to Eye on the Ball with Steve Rivera. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Eye on the Ball. I'm Steve Rivera, and you're listening to 1030 The Voice. Welcome to day three of the co-host with Jay Gonzalez and myself. We hope you enjoyed the last couple of shows. We've had some pretty good shows, Jay. We are. We've had, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm back from war, and actually can't wait for this every day now. It's been, a, it's been a blast. Well, you did have a nice little coup today. You have Jay, Jay uh, Johnson coming up. Yep, we got Jay Johnson. We're going to talk some college baseball. Uh, it should be going on right now, and it's not. So we'll see how he's doing. I'm sure it's a, it's a tough go for him right now. But you know, college baseball is a big deal in Tucson. So I'm going to be interested to see how he's doing and uh, what it looks like for him going down the road. So when you were a young man many years ago, I'm sure you went to go see uh, Kindle. I did. I, I remember uh, Jerry Kim. Actually, God, I remember Frank Sand said, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, let's say Joe Cap yesterday. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, and I've been around for a long time. I, I remember when the baseball field where Sunset Field stood, where the U of A practice yeah. facility mm-hmm. is now. I remember it before it had a grandstand. It had bleachers. So that's how, how far back I go. But uh, well, you know, That was what, like late 60s? In the, in the early 70s. Early 70s. Early 70s. Wow. But... You know, some of those teams that came through here with some guys like, you know, Ron Hassey, Dave Stegman, there were some great teams. Yeah. There was that, a team that I think went 58 and four or something like that. Really? And then lot, uh, went and played a best two out of three uh, regional and got beat by like a Northern Colorado or Southeastern wow. Colorado or something like that. It was probably the best team Arizona ever had and didn't even get to the College World Series. Wow, wow. That's happened a number of times at a number of different levels. I, I remember being really heartbroken about that team, but then they won it like a year later. So, so, so that was. Oh really? The seventy six in seventy six. Okay, I was going to say, yeah. And that was a team with uh, again with Ron Hassey and some of those guys, and uh, the the thing I loved about that uh, that team, and uh, again, I'm aging myself on this, and hopefully there's some people out You've there who remember this. You've been aging yourself this. a lot. I do, <laughs> I do. But Arizona lost all six games to Air, to ASU during the regular season. What year? What year? Uh, the seventy six. Okay. Okay, lost all six games in the regular season, lost to them again in the College World Series, then played them again in an elimination game and beat them. So they went one and seven against ASU uh-huh. that year and won the national championship. And a lot of a lot of ASU fans thought that was just wrong and I'm like okay yeah it kind of was wrong but guess who's got the trophy Arizona does so I remember that like it was yesterday and that was 40 years ago on any given Day you just don't know, you, you just know, don't you know. just don't know. But that was a, that was a, a, a great. That was the first time I remember even seeing the College World Series on television. Uh-huh. And uh, my memory of it is it was in black and white, but I know it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was black and white. Day. Well, how was dirt back in the day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I'm older than dirt, so uh, oh, yeah. I, I think I think I should know. So let me ask you: We're uh, we're uh, about seven weeks or so into this uh, this mess that we're in. In nationally, worldwide. When was the last time you saw something, a sports event, in person? In person, was it? You didn't go to Vegas. Um, no, no, I didn't get to go to the Pac-12 tournament, so it would have been the last UA basketball, basketball game. Yeah, same here. Uh, I think the I think the men played Washington later than the women. So yeah, uh, yeah, it would have been the Washington game. So that would have been the right. last Does live see- game that I went to. Doesn't it seem like forever? 
uh, seems like a hundred years ago. Yeah. It really does. And and it's it's funny to sit here and think uh, I haven't watched a live baseball game since then. Did you watch? So last night was the, it's the first time I was flipping through channels trying to find something. Ten o'clock ish, and I saw the base, there's a baseball game, and it looks like it's live, and it was, it, and it was live, and it was it was the uh, it was the dinos from uh, from the Korea, I mean South I, Korea somewhere, something like that, and they actually those guys were actually in Tucson, so uh, they they the, uh, the Korean league, some of their teams did spring training here, and they played some games at the stadium, oh, really? and I actually went out and caught a couple of innings of one of those games. My my former office was in the it was in the oh, was in the right. stadium, right? So I went out at lunch and sat in the seats. A couple of us went over there during our lunch hour and watch to watch some of that baseball and it's baseball yeah it's real baseball yeah. it's yeah. good baseball there's some really good looking players there and we we had fun and Did, uh i mean i'm i didn't stay up to watch it last night i watched and i probably half an inning but uh I'm, i think i'm gonna probably stay up and watch it did you see today. the first pitch how they did it? I did not. So it was a little kid. It was kid day at the pub park today. And one of those little ball bubbles, little bubble balls, whatever it is, the little 10, 12-year-old got in the ball and he ran to the pitchers from the pitcher's mound to home plate and handed the catcher the ball. Oh, that's too so he, funny. So he wouldn't touch, you know. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, you know what? Well, we don't think of stuff like that. <laughs> we don't think of stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's it's kind of exciting to see that we're inching closer to yes. to, to having some sports. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, that, that they figured it out over there and they've got some games going on and, you know, I'll, I'll watch a little bit just to just to get my juices flowing. To remember flowing, but, what it was. Uh, exactly. But I can't wait for us to have something. I think that I think the first thing we're going to have is uh, the the PGA Tour is going to start uh, yeah. next month, and I'm looking forward to that. Right, right. Well, you kind of watch a lot of golf anyway. I do watch a lot of golf. Yeah. I, I love golf. I I'm, I was a big Tiger Woods fan. Um, saw a lot of golf coming through here. Got to cover it. Got to get close to some of those guys. Uh, and so uh, I've I've been a big fan of golf. I play. I'm not very good at it right now, but I I play and I enjoy it. It my my daughter. Uh, you know who's home with us right now she's gives me a hard time about watching golf and I'm like I love it yeah I, I can sit down and, and watch an entire uh, you know six hours of golf on a Sunday wait till these young whippersnappers get old like us and tell you know <laughs> exactly their kids will tell them oh what the heck are you doing so there's you know that UFC is going on this weekend too in a big big event yeah, I think it's in Miami I could be wrong but one of the guys that I kind of follow is Henry Cejudo I don't know if you know who he is I, you know I'm not a, I'm not a UFC guy I was a boxing guy yeah, I was a boxing guy, and I can't wrap my head around the UFC. It's hard. It's hard for me to watch. As long as other people get their butt kicked, and I don't have to be involved, I'm good with it. I, but, I just find Henry, it hard to watch. Henry, I think, is from Phoenix. He's I, I've met him a couple times, and in fact, uh, Tom Ortiz is close, very close to him. So I'm going to try to get him on the show this summer after this fight. Actually, a uh, great story. Uh, I think he may have wrestled that issue. I'm not. There's a connection with Tom Ortiz. So we'll we'll kind of get you acclimated with that dude you don't want to mess with those well dudes. I was going to say as long as you don't bring him in here and have him show me yeah. a thing or two I do recall being in in, uh, in Vegas and we were uh, just I was just at the front desk for something and I don't, I don't think I was even checking out I was just there and there, there was a big, big US, UFC event yeah. uh, while we were there and a guy and a guy walked up and he was probably you know I'm 5'9 he was 6'5 and, and, and he, no he was probably 5'6 
but I, I he was scary <laughs> he was just he walked up and, and right. I, I i looked at his body and he had this tight shirt on and i'm like i would never get in that guy's way no, and, no. and one of the you know one of the uh the the clerks at the at the desk said he he was one of the ufc guys and i'm like he looks like one and i would never mess with that right guy. he's out of my weight class but still exactly yeah, he was yeah. probably he probably weighed 100 pounds less than me and i wouldn't have even thought about going right, after right. him you even look at me okay i give up you you're tapping, exactly. the, you're tapping the counter. Exactly. Well, we expect a good show. We're gonna, also going to have... We're also going to have Eric Rhodes from the Arizona Bowl to come and talk about this uh, uh, fundraiser that uh, a bunch of the sports organizations in Tucson are doing. It's a big raffle with a, a lot of great prizes and to uh, get really great experiences with the Diamondbacks and the Coyotes and the Cardinals and all all the pro teams in and uh, some of the college teams in, uh, in Arizona. So he'll come and tell us how that came together and how you can get in on it. Great. Let's take our first quick break here. Tom, oh, Mr. Tom Callahan's in here with us too. So let's take our quick first break and come back with Coach Johnson from U of A. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm Steve Rivera in with Jay Gonzalez. And now on the phone, we have UA baseball coach, Jay Johnson. Coach, how the heck are you? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, we appreciate you being here, Coach. You know, we want to talk to you about a lot of things, but uh, obviously, you know, your your season ended, and there are a lot of things behind that and that you're dealing with. So, first, you know, walk us through how this uh, how this came came to you. You know, what you were doing, where you were, you know, when you started to realize we're in big trouble here with uh, with losing the season. Yeah, it was a very strange day, as I'm sure, you know, you've heard from a lot of people in athletics and and coaches and players. We were, you know, the previous week, we had a great road win at the University of Texas. Uh, We won our series against the University of Houston at home that weekend. We were having a great week of practice preparing for Oregon State in the Pac-12 opener. Really good practices on uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and getting prepared for Pac-12 opener, full speed ahead, everything's going good. And then I believe Wednesday night they sent out something saying, hey, we were going to play the series, but there was going to be no fans in high Corbett. And you're kind of like, whoa, that's going to be different. That's going to be strange. And then Thursday morning uh, when we were in the office, uh, we got on a conference call and we're talking through with – Dave Dickey with Erica Barnes, our athletic staff, um, what we're going to do, you know, what's going on. And then actually during that phone call, uh, right before we were going to have our team meeting that day, uh, the NCAA came out and said they'd canceled the NCAA basketball tournament and they canceled all the spring championships. And so, I mean, the first thing you're thinking, wow, no college world series. And then the trickle down effect of that of like, wow, the season is over. And so I literally, I got off that call and as I was looking out on the field, I mean, there were several of our players just kind of like standing out there and looked like they got hit by a truck and rightfully so. I mean, like I said, we were going a thousand miles an hour, totally engaged in in what we believed was going to be a great season, a good start to the PAC 12. And then somebody tells you the season is over. So we went in the locker room and uh, did the best we could with it and just kind of talked through some things and, Really, the message I tried to give that day was, hey, our goals have not changed. You know, our destination of where we want to end up is not changing. It's just going to be delayed a little bit. And it's by something that's out of our control. And 
we need to learn more about what's going on and then try to respond in, in a positive fashion. And that's what we've been trying to do, you know, be competitive every day with the things we can without a season. So it's, it's been tough. And that was definitely a, definitely a day I'll never forget. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, you know, in the days after that, so there there had to be a lot of questions, a lot of guys wondering, well, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, you got guys who thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to be going pro after this year, uh, all those kinds of things. And a lot of that stuff is still up in the air. But, you know, in the days after that, and as, as, you're, as it started to settle in that we're, we don't have a season anymore, things like the Major League Baseball draft, or, everything's changing. What kinds of things were, were, the, were you talking to uh, the players about? What kinds of questions did they have? And, and what, were they, you know, what were they thinking with, with all this going on? Yeah, the first thing that we did was we needed to make sure everybody was safe and whether that was, you know, sheltering in, in place here in Tucson, if you will, which a couple of our players decided to do. But for the majority of them, they went home to their families, you know, where they grew up and have uh, proceeded to take the rest of this semester with online courses and you know all their in-person classes were transferred to online and and really we put our focus on okay what can we can control or what can we control and the first thing was academics and they're in their dead week right now leading up to finals everybody's been doing a pretty good job there and we're looking forward to them you know finishing this semester productively academically so that was really the first thing that we wanted to get get taken care of then there was a lot of questions about eligibility would the NTA grant everybody a year of relief, uh, which they did, which I was definitely in agreement with, regardless of, you know, how it impacts our direct program, just on fundamental principle was the right thing to do. I mean, we only played 15 games and it was something out of all of our players controls, like kind of like an injury. And if, the, if they all had gotten injured 15 games into the season, they could appeal it and get another year of eligibility. So I was really happy that the NCAA decided to do that. And then there's there's been a little bit of a period of uncertainty with, you know, what's going to happen with the Major League Baseball draft, how that impacts maybe some thoughts for some of our players, how many rounds is it going to be. And then there's some guys that, you know, are really invested in what we're doing that, you know, aren't quite ready to let go of this chapter of, of their life and kind of feel like we have some unfinished business. We really liked where we were heading as a team. And uh, so, yeah, maybe some of those guys will return. A couple of them might move on to pro baseball, but there's still a lot to be lot to be said relative to those types of things. Coach, I had uh, Mike Contreras on maybe about three weeks ago. He's going to the same thing, obviously. Uh, a lot of his girls are coming back for a senior year. It's going to be a heck of a roster. I'm sure you've kind of also kind of looked at your roster and how it's going to look. Uh, it's going to be a crazy, a crazy time. Yeah, for sure. We're still working through some of those things. I think the thing that's a little different with baseball and softball, obviously, is the, the presence of the Major League Baseball draft. And a lot of players, you know, top juniors across the country, typically sign a pro contract and don't return for their senior year. I know, again, I'm very happy for Coach Candrea because I know he really is fond of this class and that senior class. And they were rolling. I think they were like 20 and 2 or 24 and 3 or something like that. And uh, that's great for all those girls to, to be able to finish it out the way that they would like to. Uh, we had a very small senior class on the flip side with yeah. only four players. And, you know, two of those guys have 
indicated they're they're going to move on with their life and and do some things. Both have jobs lined up already and are great guys and represented our program really well. And and two of them have expressed uh, an intent to return, which we're very happy about as well. And we feel like those guys can be positive contributors. And then you know it's just kind of a wait and see. You know, like I said, what's going to happen with the draft and and how that's going to impact, uh, you know, we have an outstanding uh, recruiting class. In my opinion, it's the best one we've had since I've been the coach here. And on top of that, we have several, you know, juniors that are good players that are definitely professional players, but it, it might make more sense for them to return, put themselves in position to finish their degree and then move on after next year when they're still going to have the leverage of being a junior because they got this year reinstated. So, Lot, lot up in the air still. How's this time for you? Obviously, I think you're a, you're a competitor. Obviously, and you you don't get a chance to compete. And I'm I'm always a believer. Competitors love to compete, and you can't do that. <laughs> Man, you hit the nail right on the head right there. I mean, there was a good week to ten days where went through a few stages of first one was just disbelief. You know, like what what's going on? And then as you kind of learned a little bit more about the coronavirus and the impact and how it's transmitted, it, it started to make a lot more sense to me why things were done the way that they were done. And then once I kind of had that understanding, you could accept it a little bit better because everybody's safety, that, that's the most important thing. You know, you know, we love baseball and there's nothing more important in my life than the Arizona Wildcats, you know what I mean? And, and what we're doing on the baseball diamond, but kind of went through that and then you know, you mentioned the word compete and find ways to be able to do that. You know, what kind of planning can we do? What kind of professional development can I do? What type of recruiting for future years can I do? And our coaching staff, we meet on the Zoom calls three times a week. And uh, I've been on the phone probably with like 12 or 15 players just today, checking in and seeing how they're doing. And uh, it's been it's been productive and uh, you just don't, you don't get to enjoy the fruits of the labor, which is the competition in the season. Well, I was going to ask, Coach, when when was the last time it was May and you weren't either on the field coaching or playing? I mean, are we talking T-ball before T-ball or yeah, something yeah, like that? I mean, when I was, probably when I was four or five years old, so <laughs> what are, 38, 37 years ago, something like that. And that it's just it's just amazing that we're sitting here in May and you know there's no baseball going on. So, um, you know, after the break, I want to we want to talk about your team and and what you kind of expect for uh, for next year. But I, I wanted to I wanted to uh, bring something up because it's something that uh, it, it interests me in terms of the the way uh, players are drafted in, in for major league baseball the way they've done it versus what's going on with with college basketball and how they're doing that so there's 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 been a lot of debate that you know if you if you get rid of the one and done in college basketball it's going to dilute the game and and all that kind of stuff but college baseball has been doing this forever and uh, we had a caller yesterday who called about you know college baseball and you know do I like college baseball I love college baseball and I, I've never thought that you know the 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 kids coming out of high school going straight to the pros diminish the game I mean it's a great game you know I, I mean it, 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 it seems to me that you know they're they're barking up a tree that they don't need to bark up on the NBA side because you know the experience over here is that college baseball is a great game yeah I am a college baseball coach and uh, at a great program and sometimes you know when I voice my opinion on it people feel like it's 
slanted towards what we're doing, but I'm a big believer in the college route. Now, the way I say it is there's probably 15 picks, 20 picks into the draft where if you're one of those first 20 picks out of high school, I mean, you could fall flat on your face and not be successful and probably still have success financially in life if you take care of your money. However, that still does not guarantee you success in baseball. I just think as invested as programs and coaching staff and universities are in the development of young people, educationally, socially, emotionally, physically, skill-wise in the sport that we're talking about, you're going to get better. You're going to transition into manhood, and then three years later, 36 months later, you're now in a position to take on everything that being a pro baseball player entails with much more maturity, with a lot more tools in your belt. And so I think 99.9% of the players should go to college. The thing that unfortunately changes that sometimes is, is money. But when you get to the meat and the, and the guts of the competition, it's like these guys are invested. Like we want to go to Omaha. We want to win a national championship. We want to win a Pac-12 championship. It's really the last time that the players, you know, in our sport are playing for something other than them, themselves. You know, being a wildcat is a big deal to them and representing our university and, and trying to win games is a big deal to them. And then when you go to professional baseball, you're on your own team. It's all about you. Think about the concept of the minor leagues. You're playing with players on your team who you're competing with ultimately to get to the major leagues. And so it's just a much different environment. And, uh, you know, both have positives. I'm just a big believer in the college path to – to professional baseball. No question. When we come back on the other side, in fact, we just have about 30 seconds left here for the first segment, um, is maybe the structure, because everyone wants college basketball to be like college baseball. If you're going to come, you have a certain amount of years. If you're coming to college, to, to college, you got to spend two or three years in college. No one and dones, no jumping ship, nothing. You're committed. So we'll get your thoughts on that and then come back and talk more about your team and like to know more about you. Is that cool, Coach? Looking forward to it. Okay, great. Well, let's come back here with Coach Johnson, here with Jay, and come back here on 1030 The Voice. Hey, welcome back to Y in the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm here with Jay Gonzalez. I'm Steve Rivera and Coach Johnson on the phone. So, Coach, I'm sure you hear it tons of times, too. If basketball could do what baseball does, it would be a better life for many people, coaches included. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I don't, you know, we don't really recruit in the same circles and it's a different dynamic and there's a lot of money to be made right, immediately right. for those basketball players where they go, a lot of them go straight to the pros and, and I'm not educated enough on the process to be able to speak like on the G League or how that is relative to maybe the minor leagues in baseball but you think about, you know, I think we had Alonzo Trier a couple years ago. He stayed for three years, got to the NBA, got a contract. DeAndre Ayton. I mean, that's that would be my question, I guess. Would you would you have rather not have DeAndre Ayton? I mean, that guy was special. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, what a player. So there's there's pluses and minuses to everything. I think, um, you know, thinking back at like Arizona basketball, like over the the time period, those, those players that stayed for three or four years, you know, Stoudemire, Steve Kerr, TJ McConnell, all these guys at the 
the fans can really identify with them better if they're here for a longer period of time. Yeah, no and question. I think that's probably where their feeling lies. I, I've had conversations with Coach Miller in the past. Like, man, sometimes it is nice to coach a 22- or 23-year-old player. And uh, there's some advantages to that. But in basketball, there's also a balance in, in terms of, of talent. And, uh, you know, getting that talent, and if you can have them for one year, you know, Kentucky's done a pretty good job with it. And I just don't think it's a one-size-fits-all model, and, and that rule is not going to make or break anybody. Just like anything else, you always have to adapt to, to what the rules are and do the best you can. Well, I, for one, am in the camp of I, I like what baseball does, and I wish they'd do pretty much the same thing in, in basketball. So let's talk about your team. And I know there's still a lot of uncertainty because of, uh, again, we talked about you know, the, some of the players getting an additional year, other players who are, are going to get the additional year but don't know if they're going to take advantage of it, what's going to happen in the draft. But, you know, from where you sit right now, um, you know, what are you thinking about your team next year? And, and here's a, another question. How important is fall ball going to be to you guys this year? Yeah, both great questions. Uh, I'm excited about the potential of our team. Obviously, I'll know a lot more about that uh, post-draft and that's relative to both the guys that were on our roster this year and our incoming recruits. I think we've done a nice job of blending, you know, a group that was off to a good start and had some, some good performances, and we're hoping to get another year under their belt to, to add to their experiences and a really talented group together. So I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited about that, the possibilities, you know, on, on paper, and I think if – if a few guys make solid decisions relative to next year and what will benefit them the most, uh, which I believe for most of them that will be being at Arizona, and I could you know talk about a few of them, but we're hoping that a few of those guys make the decision to return, and if they do, I like where our team's at. I think uh, fall ball, as you mentioned, you know everybody's saying like, wow, college baseball is going to be stacked with good players across the board, and and that very well may be true. But they also, we might be walking into a season where they haven't had their regular process of the season before, of summer baseball, of a typical fall baseball. So there's a lot of training. We don't just twiddle our thumbs thumbs out there. We're working and we're trying to get guys better. And so it's a, I have a little uneasiness, you know, with, with that. And we're constantly talking about ways throughout the summer that we can accelerate our players' uh, development with the constraints that we have, and and we'll continue to do that. But trust me, I'd love to be in the cages and on the field with them every day. So you were going through about 15 games, you said. Did you already have a feel of what was going to happen down the road? You know, coaches get a feel, good or bad or whatever. Did you have that feel of maybe possibly doing really well in, in the coming months that are now gone? I did. Yeah, I did, and I felt very confident about it. And honestly, the longer we went along, the better I felt. And I'll give you a couple reasons why. Um, you know, we were 15 games into it. If we 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 had a couple games where we didn't play great or didn't hit, we had one game where we didn't pitch particularly well. We responded in a positive fashion after each loss. We didn't. We never lost two games in a row. And I think that said a lot about the character, the the stick-to-itiveness, the resiliency of the group that we had, the maturity of the group that we had. So that was the first thing. The second thing is we were pitching much better than we did the previous year. We brought in Coach Jeske, and he was doing a tremendous job with the pitching staff. And then the pitching recruits that were all new this year, 
were exactly who we thought they were in terms of their ability to just do one thing, and that was throw strikes and compete in the strike zone. So we weren't giving up a ton of free bases. We were responding well to adversity, and our offense was rounding into form, and we've been so good offensively. Like I looked up at the end of the day, and I think we were averaging like 7.8 runs a game, and it felt like we hadn't quite got going yet. And the last week or five, six games, we were really rounding into form offensively. So I think that was going to be good. I felt like we had the defense in place. And it was kind of a unique year in the Pac-12 where last year we were extremely young. I mean, we were starting five freshmen, you know, towards the end of the season when we were really playing well. And a lot of the other teams were old and had moved on. So I think we were kind of well positioned to head into Pac-12 play as a little bit more of an experienced team than maybe some of the top competitors. And just more importantly than anything, I liked the, the makeup of our team and, and how that was showing itself. And, and so, yeah, I'm disappointed. You know, there's, there's certainly days of like, man, we'd be getting ready for UCLA this next <laughs> weekend and thinking about how great that series would have been at High Corbett and our fans. And, and, and that's, you know, that's our rival, really, if you really want to get down to it in terms of baseball and, and it's competitive and recruiting and on the field and all of those types of things. So, yeah, that's where that competition bug comes in and said, man, I wish really, we really had that going. This who, who are some of the guys that you can single out that were, you know, had really stepped up for you and, and were, you know, showing some leadership and, you know, playing well on the field and just doing all the things that you needed to do and that you need to have to be, a, you know, to be a really good team? Who were who some of those guys? Yeah, I thought we were really complete. And what I mean by that is it didn't have to be the same guy every night. And I think we had several wins where it was a different guy every night. I think if you had to point to uh, one guy, I mean, just in terms of consistency and performance, I mean, everybody knows about Austin Wells. I mean, he's probably going to be drafted in the first round. And I kind of know how Coach Miller feels <laughs> with these one of them done guys. We got, we got one year and 15 games at Austin. And, and when I think about the frustration of this coronavirus, that's one of the things that's up at the top because it's, it's difficult to get a player like him to college and through the professional draft out of high school, but he was off to a good start. And I think he was only getting better. He had really improved as a catcher and was continued to take professional at bats. You know, Matt Dyer was an interesting one who he really hadn't gotten going yet, but then you looked up and he still had like 18 or 19 RBIs and was really rounding into form Had a big three run home run at Texas hit three home runs in the last five games and was really starting to pick up his production. I think Dante Williams was kind of a catalyst of our offense, kind of like that point guard really set the table. Seemed like he was on base or over at third base with, with me coaching third, you know, three times a game, which led to runs. I think he was like in the top 10 in the country and runs scored. So those guys were kind of the, the offensive guys making it happen. Jacob Blass, um, really who we missed the previous year due to an injury was really rounded into form as a good player and a key piece of, of what we were doing. Uh, Ryan Holgate, you know, was leading our team in hitting at the time of, of the break. I think he was hitting upwards of 380. And if you've been out to our field, you know how talented he is. Uh, Brandon Bossier, just consistent. So I really liked where the offense was. But really, I think the best improvement I saw was on the mound. And, and like I alluded to before, it was just our pitchers filling up the zone, you know, with strikes. You know, the, the rotation was doing well. Garrett Irvin 
you know, little short competitive lefty that threw four pitches for strikes on Fridays, always was pitching deep into the game, putting us in a good position. Vince Benelli, when we had the game, you know, or the lead, was really coming in out of the bullpen and doing some great things. Preston Price alongside him, doing a really good job out of the bullpen. And, you know, the other couple starters, Quinn Flanagan, Chandler Murphy, just across the board with the pitching staff, the, the strike zone pressure that we were applying was outstanding to see. Let me change gears real quick. One of the questions that someone asked me to ask you, um, you've been here about a handful of years now. How, how has the uh, the local talent been? What have you seen from it? Is it up and coming? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Good question. Um, I think it's something we're always going to pay attention to. I think uh, if there's a good player here, the good part about that is they typically – grow up wanting to be Wildcats, and I think that's awesome. And I think there's some pride that can be taken in that. The thing that is interesting um, with our job is a great player is a great player no matter where they come from. And with that, uh, you know, we have to have a certain type of pitcher, hitter, uh, defensive player that can execute in, in the Pac-12. And there's certainly been some good ones from – from Tucson. And, uh, you know, if there's good ones, and we're on a couple of them and recruiting them right now, which I'm not allowed to talk right, about. Right, but, right. Don't do you know, it. We, Don't we, do we, it. Yeah, no, we hope, uh, we hope they make a decision to be, uh, to be Wildcats at some point. So uh, I do appreciate the high school baseball coaching in Arizona. I think that's very good. And I think that it shows in, in the positive development of players throughout the state. Well, Jay, what, just real quick, we've only got about a minute, but you know, what, what advice would you give to even you know a local kid who has that dream? I want to play, you know, I want to play baseball at Arizona someday. You know, what do you as a as a coach tell them? Okay, this is what we're looking for. This is what you need to be doing. This is how you'll get our attention. Yeah, it's a good question. I think in general, uh, young players they they're a little more they've been exposed to more things relative to the internet, social media. And a lot of things can be about image as opposed to substance. And what I mean by that is everybody wants to put it out there, hey, I committed to this school, look at me, this and that, where not to worry about the end result of where you're going to end up so much, but put your focus and be relentless at what you need to do to be the best that you can be. And for a lot of them, it might be strength or speed or individual skill relative to their position, just being – as relentless and competitive as they can be at developing to be the best that they can be. And then you, you can accept the results no matter what. Don't put the results ahead of the process of what it takes to, to be uh, as good as you can. Well, that's perfect, Coach. We so appreciate you spending this half hour with us. It was really informative. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys look like uh, going down the road. I've always been a big college baseball fan, and i got a lot of history. Maybe someday we spend some more time talking about it. So thanks so much. We appreciate it, and uh, have a great evening. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. Let's take a quick break here on 1030 The Voice. Come back on the other side. Talk to Eric Rhodes. Hey, welcome back to Iron the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. Here with Jay Gonzalez and me, Steve Rivera, now with Eric Rhodes from the Arizona Bowl. How are you, Eric? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? 
we're just, you know, we're just living life, having fun over here. Uh, we're, uh, you know, got this show going uh, last Friday and, you know, trying to, you know, trying to get, get the word out about a lot of things going on. So we wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, this uh, Arizona Sports Together uh, re- coronavirus relief raffle that you guys are doing and that you're involved in. And so, first of all, tell us a little bit about it, how this thing came together and, uh, you know, the Arizona Bowl became a part of it. Absolutely. Um, I want to say first thanks to you guys. You've always been, you know, right on top of, of helping get the Bulls message out there, including things like this. So we're grateful for our, our media partners, you know, like Iron the Ball. You guys are, are fantastic. Now with Mr. Gonzalez, even a little bit better, Steve. <laughs> You're good already, but, I, but I, even a, I, a I'm just going to go out and say we got better looking. How's that? <laughs> hey, now that's debatable. Like <laughs> but uh, as far as the Arizona sports together, um, you know, all of us in the sports world were looking for a way for us to be involved in an appropriate way during this pandemic. You know, all of us are in the same place of, of you know, having to make pay cuts or salaries or whatever it is, but also being in the unique space that people are looking to us to, to do something, uh, you know, to help the community. And certainly at the Arizona Bowl, that's been part of our mission since day one. It's how can we give back to the community. So it originated out of some of some of the Phoenix properties, and they got in contact with us and said, you know, is this something you would want to be involved in? And we said, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's easy for us to do the experiences that are on here uh, from all 17 major sports properties. Um, really the emphasis is on things that money – can't buy per se, even though this is a raffle for money to buy. Um, that's not usually available to the public. Like for instance, with the Arizona Bowl, you'd have an opportunity to attend our private player party, which is not open to the public or the media. Um, we do not have guests at it. It's only for the teams and, the, and their families. So you would have a chance to attend that this year. And it's really a very cool experience. And the same thing across the whole website, there's, you know, so many amazing experiences that, that are being offered. Um, we couldn't pass up the opportunity to do it. All the, all the proceeds are going to the Arizona Coronavirus Relief Fund uh, for the state. So, you know, doing whatever we can to be a small part of, of a solution while we're all settling in to deal with this problem. Well, it's a great idea. I'm sure you're glad to be part of it. Uh, and they're going to probably raise a ton of money because a lot of sure, surely some great gifts. And, and the prices for the tickets are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, it ranges... I mean, down for 25 tickets for 100 bucks, five tickets for 50, one for 20, um, and it's a true raffle. So I mean, you know, throw your odds in there, and you you have a chance to win some pretty cool stuff. Uh, you know, all three of the major state universities, really four with Grand Canyon, are involved in some of the things you can win on their side, including right here at the University of Arizona is pretty cool, along with you know all the professional franchises as well. Um, you know, even stuff to the the waste management. Uh, it's just a cool opportunity to get involved and when the money's going back to help our own. I mean, we all know at this point somebody has been touched by this pandemic. So, you know, when you can give back in a way that's easy for us to give back, and like I said, just a small piece to come together to help the community in this time is an, is an awesome opportunity. Well, that's, that's, again, it's a great thing that you guys are doing. So, so let's talk a little bit about the Arizona Bowl and what's going on over there around, around the office. I mean, you know, we know that you're – you know, your event isn't until December, but it depends on there being college football. So what's some of the, uh, you know, what are you guys going through and what are you thinking about, you know, what, what's going to happen? You know, um, we are, 
we're in the same boat as just about everybody else is, is taking it. It's it's such sports cliche, and the two of you I know of all people can appreciate this. You know, we're just going to take it day by day, try to execute our game plan. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where we're moving forward as if our date is December 31st with kickoff at 2.30. Um, things change daily in the sports world as to what may happen, what may not happen. Um, we're staying very optimistic, and we think we have a little bit of cause to be optimistic <clears throat> that although things may be shortened and delayed in the college football season itself, um, we're going to go off without a hitch. But in the case that you know we get moved back a little bit, we're ready to go whenever it is. It's, it's the beauty of how our community has supported us that we're confident whenever we kick off right here at Arizona Stadium, folks are going to turn up to give back to our community. Well, you have some good people working you yourself, and you have Kim Adair, obviously, and Ollie. Um, sure, you guys probably hunker down in your own places now, uh, working by z- via Zoom and all that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know it's the battle of the uh, virtual background to see what, you know, <laughs> get the best <laughs> virtual background up there. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings. We just met uh, an hour or so ago with you know, our committee members, which is over 50 community members here who just are volunteers and ready to help. And one of the things we're doing from home is, you know, calling all of our partners that we've worked with, seeing, hey, what do you guys need right now? Like, we don't have money to give. A lot of people don't have money to give at the time. Um, you know, finances are un- unstable in a lot of different organizations. So we're trying to just give a little manpower. If you need to move boxes, if you need to deliver some food, um, you know, we got in touch with track therapeutic riding and they said, Hey, can some folks come out and help exercise the horses? And so we're going to have our committee go out and do that. Um, just like you guys, we're, we're all trying to do our part to help Tucson right now in Southern Arizona as a whole move through this, um, and hopefully get to a point where we're starting to fill Arizona stadium for every event that Arizona stadium holds and the TCC holds. I know Jay, that's very clearly very personal in your life right now. I mean, there's there's a lot of things out there that people who are uh, we're doing a lot of really really great work are going to get to see that in fruition in 2020. So if we get that opportunity, we want to make sure we do those who didn't have op- opportunity to make their things happen. We want to do them proud. Yeah, well, Eric, we got to have you on uh, when we have some time, more time to talk about a lot of different things when things maybe hopefully open up for uh, everybody involved and see which where you we're guys hoping. are going through. Yeah, we're hoping. Everybody's hoping. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on for this short version, and we'll get you back here maybe in a couple, three weeks. Looking forward to it, guys. Good luck. Great to have you guys back on the air together. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Eric. That was Eric Rhodes from the Arizona Bowl. Uh, them working a lot of uh, cool things, obviously. And the thing is, if you get some tickets, you can put it in your own slot. Right. The 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 way the, the way this things work things works is that you, know, you you let's say you're one of those you buy you know five t- raffle tickets. You can put one in each pot for what you're looking for so it's not like they're going to draw and you get this or you get that you get to pick what you, where your uh, where your money's going right, in, right. in terms of what your what prize you're trying to get so it sounds like a lot of fun well, there, there's some good prizes in you're going to buy them don't you think you but uh, 25 for 100 that's four bucks a ticket not- yeah you know it, it, exactly and it, you know so, some of these some of these things that they're doing you know you can you can uh, hang out with Brian Jeffries at a, at an Arizona football game waste uh, management yeah you know the, the waste management uh, have the, you been the to golf that? tournament I've, I've, I've been to it but I haven't been been to the 16th hole. The, so. craziness? <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the craziness of, of so, that. We got five minutes here. This is something I wanted to talk to you about because I think it's kind of funny. Uh, a lot of people talked to me about your first show on Friday talking about your Fernando Valenzuela story. Um, so 
because this has been years ago, obviously. You're like, what about what about uh, what about um, uh, the comedian? The comedian? I just lost his George name. George Lopez. George Lopez. Oh my God! I have my own, but but go ahead and George, I have my own. Uh, yes, yes. And uh, here here's the funny. Here's a really funny story about that. So one Christmas, my my sister drew me. We 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 draw each other now. So because there's our family so big, and my sister Elaine uh, drew my name. And she got me a gift, and I opened the gift, and it's a bobblehead. And it looked just like me. <laughs> and I still got it. And she had she put my name on the bottom of it, and, and I'm like, how did you get a bobblehead made of me? And she said, it's not you, it's George Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a George Lopez bobblehead, but it looked just like me. Yeah, that's so I've been, I've been confused for him as well, especially. There, there was one time I, I put a couple of pictures of one of me and one of him together and you know, sent it to a couple of friends of mine because we were laughing about it. But yeah, I've, I've been accused of that as well. Yeah, back uh, maybe 25 years ago, I had first kind of arrived in Tucson. I got a call from an older woman. She says, I need you to help me. I'm desperate. I need you to help me. And I'm thinking, I'm a, okay, you call it a Tucson citizen. I said, how can I help you, ma'am? Well, my son's in prison and I know you can get him out. And I'm thinking, okay, how do you want me to do it, ma'am? She says, well, your brother Geraldo is, is he can help you get him out. <laughs> I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Well, you're Steve Rivera. Your brother's Geraldo. I said, ma'am, ma'am, let's stop no, that's there. That's not the way it works. <laughs> uh, that's not the way it works. But yeah, I've, again, I've, you know, I've been accused of that I've been accused of, of, of looking like like Fernando but um, I've never you know I've never signed an autograph saying I was that guy or anything like that but it's 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 been close it's been close yeah 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 what about uh, you collect autographs no I used to and actually you know it's funny I, I went away from that when I became a reporter yeah and that was because it was kind of like taboo if you're a reporter sure. to be asking for autographs mm-hmm. um and so so i really never did um i, I you know before i, I told the Fernando story when I saw him at a, at a baseball game and I wasn't a, a sports writer yet or anything like that so I did ask for an autograph that day but I did ask for an autograph one time and it was just to do a, a favor for the, the the father-in-law of a friend of mine and he needed Barry Switzer's autograph and he needed it really bad and I'm like okay and I, I covered an Arizona game at o- Arizona played at Oklahoma I was there, I, was there yeah. I, I think it was 88 yeah. I think it was 88 season and it was Switzer's last year mm-hmm. and I think we kind of knew it was going to be his last year and how did uh, you pull that off well when i when i went into the when i went into the locker room the oklahoma locker room Mm -hmm. after the game i had ripped i had ripped a page out of the game program which was up in the media area and it was the page that had the the team picture and i just on the sly made sure none of the other writers were looking and he was walking out and i just walked over and i said can you sign this real quick please and he just really quick signed it and i got it and you know until he died that guy had he had that thing framed oh yeah not switzer the other guy not switzer the the guy that i gave it to his the you know he was really happy to get it and he was from oklahoma and it was his one chance to to get the autograph right well then a year that. later, they come here. A year later, they at, come here. And but Arizona, Barry Switzer was not the coach anymore. And Arizona beats them. And six Arizona to three. beat them six to three. Yeah. And in a game that I'll I'll never forget. I was standing on the sidelines. I, I dug Faf. Yep, yep. Uh, kicked a field goal, and it was leaking oil the minute it got up in the air. And there was no way that right. ball was going to get there. And then it did. If if you've ever heard, if you ever heard the TV call on that, Bruce Larson was the I don't was the color guy, and. Th- the ball goes up and you very lightly, but you can hear it. Bruce Larson says, missed it. 
<laughs> and then it got there and Dave Sitton was on the call and he's screaming, it's good, it's good. And the place went nuts and I was standing on the sidelines and that's about as nutty as the, as I ever saw Arizona Stadium. Because we, that's when, it was late in the game, obviously at the end of the game, we get to go down from the media room to down there and we're waiting to go in the locker room. I was there too. It was six to three, one of those games where it's between the 20s, no one's moving the ball and finally it was the uh, Dick Tomey's Imagine. If you imagine it, It'll happen. Exactly, exactly. And again, one of those one of those memorable games, certainly for me as a writer. Yeah, yeah, one of the best, best six three games I've ever seen, baseball or football or otherwise. Exactly. So I'm hoping you know, hoping we get some more of those coming up in the fall. It's uh God, I'm just so nervous about it. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow, big show. We have Nick Johnson on the line tomorrow. Should be fun. Should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to talking to Nick. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. Hostage day number three with Jay and I. Thanks everybody you, for being here. Yeah, thanks everybody. Here we go.